Hey, this is Diana, the Bard of Hudson. What the heck does that mean? A bard is just a storyteller. So here I am to share stories with you. What was it like growing up in the 60s and 70s? Did I really meet Bob Marley on an airplane? I hope you enjoy listening to my crazy life and that it inspires you to share your stories in some way. One great way to share your thoughts with me is through my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard. There you can see the photos and written materials that enrich my stories with visuals. Please check it out. And wherever you're listening, please rate and review and share the podcast. I'd love to hear what you think. At the end of the day, human connection is all we have. Enjoy. Hello, good morning from a gray and cloudy Worcestershire. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. (laughs) But Worcestershire like the sauce. Somebody correct me. It's fine. (laughs) Anyway, it is gray as it has been here a few days and that's okay. That is good inspiration for staying inside and getting a whole lot of work done. Yes, right. This is the longest time that I have been alone and in one place since I left Crete. So it's good. I just need to get used to the rhythm of it. It's a new rhythm. So in an ongoing quest to live like the locals, I bought the Hereford Times the other day. It's a hefty 72 pages in magazine style folding like the now defunct New York Daily News. It comes out weekly and it covers everything from livestock auctions featuring notices like prize sale of store lambs and breeding ewes to full page articles on the newest shop to open in Tenbury Wells. Out of 72 pages, 11 are devoted to the TV listings for the week. Who out there remembers the TV guide? I don't even know when it went defunct, but a long time ago. My brother and I loved TV Guide. We desperately wanted it every week. Every time we went to ShopRite, we were like thumbing through the pages and and wishing we could buy it. And I think it was only like a quarter or something. But we wanted it so that we wouldn't miss any good movies and maybe even discover a new show that we wanted to watch. We had our favorites for sure, like Hogan's Heroes. Mmm, that one didn't age well. All in the Family? Ouch. Never mind that one either. McHale's Navy, F Troop, Gilgan's Island, of course. Yeah, we watched all those things in regularity. It was so fun. So I was kind of curious about British regular TV, and I actually tried it the other night, and it was like being transported back into the 70s. BBC One and Two and Channel Four and Five seemed to be about the extent of it. There's no Netflix connection in this modest cottage. Forget about that. So if there's not something on one of those four channels that you can catch just at the right time, then too bad. Wow. Talk about a time warp. There were a couple of movie channels, but it seemed like if there wasn't a movie playing on them, they were simply silent. How retro. And programs start at very odd times, like 110 or 2.15. I did find a title that I very much want to catch, so I might have to set an alarm for four o'clock on a Monday. It's called Help We Bought a Village, and it's sort of an H. 
HGTV-type show about Brits who purchase old crumbling settlements in France and such and restore them to become vital tiny villages full of their friends. That sounds like exactly what I want to see and exactly what I want to do. Channel 4 at 4 o'clock. It's like waiting for the latest episode of All My Children. Was that with Who Shot JR or was that Dallas? Obviously, I was not a daytime drama devotee. And it's hard for me to even contemplate sitting down at 4 o'clock on a Monday. I've got too many things to do, but I'll make time. I'll figure it out. So it's funny how, despite my desire to be anything else, once in a while, I am surprised about how my cutthroat capitalist roots are still there. Do those genes come from my dad? My grandfather? I mean, looking at the Hereford Times, I could not help shaking my head in disbelief at the squandering of resources. The margins, for one, are over an inch wide. I mean, cut those down and you could eliminate eight pages right there. The type is way too big. Give half a column to the kids in the prom gowns, if you must, but not half a page. This was the journalist in me, the editor, the producer, the capitalist. So distracted by how this could be fixed and improved and not focusing on the charm of it all. So I went back and decided to give it another look and... I chuckled at the full double-page spread of candid photographs of townspeople having cold drinks and sitting in the shade of trees under the two-inch-tall headline, New Record Temperature as Scorching Heat Wave Hits Us, and the large photo of the police dog who helped run down some local thieves. Then I scowled at the half-page photo of a lovely park besmirched with abandoned bags of trash and KFC buckets. Apparently some travelers had been parking overnight and leaving their trash and dumping their poop buckets. Disgusting! This is how a few bad apples spoil it for everyone else. I was ashamed on behalf of my traveler tribe. And I'm sure I'm not the only closet capitalist who would have been all in favor of slapping them with a summons and a whopping fine. But the locals are kinder and more generous than me. These people were given a, quote, directive to leave, unquote. Well, I, for one, will do better than them in every place I visit. But I also hope to learn from the good people of Herefordshire and try to give people a more generous second chance whenever possible. I'm in the middle of a long sojourn. I got here Saturday after leaving the cozy hive of the queen bee, and it was hard not to compare everything about my new digs to that. So there was a period of mourning, of lonesomeness. I bemoaned the damp and the rain, which didn't seem to exist in Herefordshire. I think I got very lucky with a streak of sunny days. I felt generally aimless and uninspired. So, where better to turn than Shakespeare? Oh no, you say, here she goes again. Well, this time it was a physical space that was about Shakespeare and not so much an experience of a particular play. I went to Stratford-upon-Avon, which 400 years ago was just another simple country town like any of the others that spring up along the road every time I go out for a drive. I actually passed a town called North Piddle on my way there. Ah, yes. Classic British place name. I hadn't been to Stratford since Van and Dakota were little, 
In fact, we'll be getting to that chapter a few more weeks from now, so here's my present-day time warp. The gap was 22 years, in fact. Hard to believe. I was very blessed to have the good company of one of my former students from my Shakespeare company named Livy. She had reached out through Instagram because she saw that I was in the UK and she was also in London. I confess that I was not terribly keen to go to London and I asked whether she'd want to meet somewhere in between. So we agreed on Stratford since we share a love of Shakespeare. Livy was one of those students whose love of Shakespeare and the work we did together just spread and blossomed throughout our years together. She loved the words and stories, sucking up every bit of meaning and insight she could from every director she worked with. She is also one of those people with boundless energy and enthusiasm, so when she was not acting in a particular show, she worked the lights or stage managed or coached other kids on their lines. We often talked playfully about her taking over for me when I retired. That would have been ideal. But she is on to other pursuits now and is thinking of moving to the UK to be a teacher here. I was so happy to reconnect with her, especially in a place where no matter what street we walked down, there was some bit of Shakespeare lore to keep drawing us back to the topic that we both loved and shared. We visited Shakespeare's birthplace and saw the bedroom in which he was born. Not in the bed, as many period dramas would have you believe. We learned that a bed cost about three months wages for Shakespeare's father, John. They would have never allowed such an expensive item to be ruined by pools of blood. No, rather Will and all of his many siblings would have been born in a birthing stool by the fireplace. That makes sense. That also helps to explain that odd item in Shakespeare's will, where the only thing he leaves his wife is his second best bed. The first best bed was proudly displayed downstairs for guests and for passers-by to see through the window because it showed that the family had some level of wealth. It was a status symbol. Therefore, the second best bed would have been the one that Will shared with his wife, Anne. A volunteer guide at New Place, Shakespeare's own house, which he bought later in his life and where he moved his family, had another theory on this. He said that it was a romantic gesture, to be sure, but also a practical message to his daughter Susanna and son-in-law. He felt Will was saying that the bed is Anne's and it stays in the house and so does she ensuring that they would let his wife live with them until she died. In fact, she outlived him by another seven years, even though she was eight years older than him to begin with. In any case, everywhere we went, it seemed that people spoke our language, so to speak, and wanted to tell us little snippets of stories about Shakespeare. I felt the warm kinship of tribe, my Shakespeare tribe. One of my favorite attractions was Shakespeare's schoolroom, which was located in the Guild Hall, this would have been a gathering place for all the important men of the town, merchants and craftsmen and lawmakers. These men paid a yearly fee to belong to the guild, and with that payment came certain privileges, among them the right to send their sons to school. Yet we learned that the boys were not bound to go if they had no desire to go. The school only wanted enthusiastic students. As a modern teacher, it was a hard thing to imagine what a classroom would be like if it contained only children who dearly wanted to be there. Indeed, the actor playing the schoolmaster pointed this out. 
He was a wonderfully dynamic presenter, and we hung on his every word as he invited us to imagine Will Shakespeare in this very room, learning Latin and Greek so that he could one day discuss important ideas with scholars from other countries. These were the universal languages of higher education. He also helped us imagine how Will would enjoy watching his fellow students act out certain bits of stories, and then how he would get the idea that, oh, young men dressed up as women is funny, and maybe I could make that into something, a story. Yes. All in all, it was an inspiring day, and I hope to draw that thread of inspiration through my remaining days of this self-directed residency I have here in Worcestershire. <laughs> so I will let this gray day pass in hopes of much good work that will get accomplished today. I bid you farewell, my friends. Until we meet again, I'll see you then. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at Diana the Bard or on Facebook at Diana Green. And check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Diana the Bard for photos and other fun additions. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you're listening. It makes a world of difference and helps others to find the show. I'd really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Bye.